Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, listeners. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by italki. And italki have basically have come up with a solution to that whole problem of not having anyone to speak English to. Because we know that speaking to people is really important as a way of developing your active communication skills. Listening is part of the process, but also you've got to speak to people. And uh, you can use italki now, basically, to, to get access to native speakers and teachers. And it's really convenient. You can just do it all from the comfort of your own home. And uh, italki are offering all of my listeners a voucher worth 100 credits, which is worth about $10. Um, so to get that offer and just to check out italki in general, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash talk or click an italki logo on my website. All right. Now, here's a new episode and here is the jingle starting right now. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Here's a new episode for you to listen to with some inspiring and uplifting background music at the beginning to create the right atmosphere. This one is an interview with Christina from Russia. And you're going to hear us talking about working as a translator and interpreter and also some general reflections on language learning. Um, now, if you've heard episode 403 of this podcast, you'll know that Christina is a listener who won my anecdote competition this year. Her anecdote was about how she ended up having to interpret for Emir Kustoritsa, the famous Serbian film director, on stage at a film festival in front of an audience of movie industry people with absolutely no preparation. It sounded quite stressful, and it's also impressive that she managed to get through the whole thing successfully without running screaming from the building. I'm always impressed by translators, and especially those ones, those people who do simultaneous or consecutive interpretation. Um, you know, the sort of thing where, for example, someone is doing some kind of big speech, maybe on TV, in front of a big audience, and someone else is interpreting it all at exactly the same time in another language. It strikes me as being like really difficult. You've got to have amazing language abilities to be able to do that kind of thing. Because you've got to listen to what the person's saying, and then you've got to kind of reformulate the whole thing in another language at the same time. It must be really hard. I find it very impressive. Um, so Christina has worked as an interpreter and a translator. That's what her anecdote was all about. And it, her story was the clear winner in the final round of the, the competition. And it was interesting to hear about how she described that stressful and exciting experience and how her language skills were involved in the whole thing. The prize for winning the competition, as suggested by one of my podcast listeners, 
was to have a one-to-one Skype conversation with yours truly. That's me, by the way. Yours truly. That's that's a way that people use to refer to themselves. You know, that's a that's an expression that we use as a way of referring to yourself. Yours truly. So if you ever hear someone say yours truly, it means that they mean them. You know. Okay. It's like the way that you end a letter. Blah 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 blah. Yours truly, Luke. So yours. You know, if I say yours truly, it means me. Okay. So we. We, we did that. We had a, a Skype conversation the other day. We chatted for, for nearly an hour with her in St. Petersburg and me in Paris. And I thought it might be interesting to record part of the conversation for an episode of this podcast. Um, Christina agreed. And so in this episode, you're going to hear the result. And you're going to hear Christina talking about how she became a translator uh, an interpreter and uh, the differences and challenges of those two types of work how she's learned English to her current level, and also some general reflections on language learning, because by the way, she also speaks several other languages, including Norwegian and German. And um, she says a few things about the way that she maintains her level of English and how listening is an important part of that. Um, I think Christina is an example of someone who's not only managed to learn English to a proficient level, but has also built a career around her language abilities. It was lovely to speak to her, and I hope you enjoy listening to our conversation. So, without any further ado, here is Christina from Russia, the winner of the Luke's English Podcast Anecdote Competition 2016. First of all, congratulations. I think that's maybe the fifth time I've I've congratulated (laughs) you. Yeah, fifth or sixth time. (laughs) Yeah. Difficult word to say. Yeah, Yeah, sixth yeah 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 no problem um yeah well i think you deserve it because um there were about 60 different uh, recordings in this competition you came out uh number one so you know you deserve the congratulations thank you thank you very much it's really really flattering that out of all the 60 stories mine has got to to the end yeah Things. That's that's great. And also, I liked other stories as well, so well done to the other yeah. listeners. Um, yeah, some of my favorite stories got to the the, the second round, and um, I was happy to see them, to hear them again. Yeah. And, okay. um, and th- yeah, I also wanted to just thank, thank all the people who voted for me, because it's uh, nice, and yeah, it's nice to, to know that, you know, someone likes the things you you tell you have to say yeah 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 definitely yeah definitely definitely in your story you talked about uh translating and this kind of stressful translation situation i imagine yeah. that being being a translator or, or an interpreter is a a stressful uh job is that is it i mean it, generally, it is really <laughs> it is especially when you're just starting at this job and you have no experience as in everything else, mm. but uh, translate in, interpreting in particular, because um, well, from from the very beginning, you have to interpret for the people, and they have no idea that you are just the beginner. They they want the you know they want it to be good, uh, so it is stressful. But uh, I guess with experience, uh, you learn how to cope with stress, and also you. It was simply you just get your interpreting skills, you develop them, and, and then you become more confident, mm. ideally. A, what's, what is the difference between interpreting and translating 
Because they're different things, aren't they? Uh, yeah, 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 they are. So uh, interpreting is when, so it's when you're interpreting, translating the spoken language, mm-hmm. someone speaks. And also there are two kinds of it. So you can interpret, uh, there's consecutive interpreting. It's when a person speaks and then they make uh, pauses yeah. and you have time to interpret. Uh, and then there's simultaneous. It's when you're sitting in like a special booth with a microphone and headphones and you're interpreting at the same time when someone's speaking. So, yeah, that's interpreting. And that translation is, uh, it has to do with the written text. So okay. it can be like... Um, Making subtitles for the video, that's also translating, because basically, even though people say these things, it's based on the um, script. So it's translation. Okay, I see. Which which one do you prefer out of the two, Um, out of translation and, and interpreting? Uh, it's it's hard to say. I like interpreting. It, it's it's stressful, but it also it's very challenging. But you feel really good if you've done a good job, and you know you see people with happy faces after the meeting, or yes. even some people might come up to you and say thank you, and it feels really good. Um, but translation is also uh, good. I don't know. I, I like both. I guess. Yeah. Um, so especially if you're translating something, um, I don't know, fiction maybe. Uh, I haven't done a lot of tra- literature or translation, but mm. but it's good. It's interesting. You, it's very, it's kind of a very creative thing. You come up with all these ways to express the meaning in your own uh, in your native language, um, and it's just really. Interesting. I'd imagine it would be really difficult if you're translating literature, like, you know, prose prose that that some fantastic writer has created. And then it's your job to somehow make, you know, let's say, I don't know, a Russian version of it. Yeah. Does it it feel like a collaboration? Oh, you mean with the author? Yeah. Like you're... Yeah, it does somehow. Um, It also... I think... um, I mean, I haven't translated like real literature. I've translated some non-fiction mm. uh, books. It was about um, how to become a millionaire or something. But it's some kind of like just a stupid. Well, it's not stupid, but it's very American, and it's about mm-hmm. you know being effective and doing the best things and earning lots of money and <laughs> stuff. Uh, but I mean, to me, uh, it was really interesting. Anyway, it doesn't matter that I disagree with certain things mm. because uh, you do, you kind of collaborate with the author. You you need to understand the author and the um, images he or she is using and, and then find the ways to transform it, but without transforming the meaning. So do you, have you ever experienced situations where there's just no, like it just doesn't translate? <laughs> Yeah, a lot of times it, it happens. Um, I mean, there are things you can't translate, of course. Uh, some of them just simply don't exist in another culture. Mm. So it's a, it's a real, can be a, like a real object that just hasn't been borrowed. <laughs> I don't know, there's no word um, uh, describing it yet in a language. Or And of course, there are lots of idioms and just structures uh, that are typical for one language but then in in the, your own native language you might not have that yeah. and yeah so then you'll have to find 
ways to you just have to get around those those things yes yeah you might find something you might find i don't know surprisingly similar uh ways of expressing meaning in your own language as well but sometimes you'll have to just describe it and in in some cases uh i know that some translators even uh, make commentary uh you know write comments saying that you know just explaining what it is if yeah if it doesn't exist you mean there's like little footnotes in a in a text Yeah, you might have a footnote um, saying, I don't know, well, like, if, uh, for example, if, if there's a word play on two or three words in English, sometimes there are footnotes. It's not the best way to do it. Of course, ideally, you're supposed to find the way not only to express the meaning, but also the kind of, um, I don't know, the language of the author. If yeah. it's very, it's full of, like, images and, I don't know, metaphors you're supposed to find equal uh, ways of expression <laughs> sounds <laughs> so. like a challenge if you ask me it is yes yeah <laughs> well yeah that's written translation um yeah some people just do that and it's um i mean it's like the whole world especially the literature yeah so and, and what about the interpreting then so you said there was what can continue uh, what was it uh, simultaneous interpretation yes. inter- interpreting and yeah. uh, consecutive interpreting. Consecutive. Is, is the simultaneous more difficult than the consecutive? Uh, to me, actually, uh, simultaneous is a bit easier, I guess, just because uh, you are kind of... I mean, it's a matter of confidence, I guess. But with simultaneous, you are sitting in this booth uh, mm. <laughs> and you are kind of protected from anyone else so there's just you the speaker that is you know in your headphones and just the purely i don't know the challenge of interpreting but uh you are not distracted by all other things unlike in consecutive interpreting you have to be in the meeting you know that like people are sitting around the table and you're with them and uh you have to you might not think about it but all these people uh, you know, they pay attention to all little details. For example, your posture, the way you, I don't know, even your um, where your hands are or all, all these little details uh, that sometimes, well, like when I'm interpreting, I'm sometimes I can be nervous and I can touch my hair and do all these weird things yeah. that are not good. So you're not supposed to do that. Right. When you're in the booth, you're kind of... Um, you're in your little house where you're just, you know, <laughs> uh, no one can harm you. <laughs> it's maybe I'm, uh, I don't know. No, I totally, not, I, I totally get it. Yeah, you're um, kind of like in this little safe space, and, yeah, yeah, and no one exactly. else can see you, and you can just sort of forget what's going on. But uh, if you're in a meeting room and you've got like some big business meeting, and yeah. uh, there's like you know powerful people sitting there, and exactly s- suddenly it's your turn to speak, and you've got to try and be the mouthpiece of this businessman and you know that you're responsible for delivering the message yeah i can imagine how how that yeah. could be quite intense yeah and they might start uh, i don't know throwing things to at each other <laughs> i don't know you never know how the meeting goes right, uh, right. so i didn't have such experience but some mm. other interpreters told me it can get really uh, like, stressful and aggressive i don't know yeah heated heated yeah yeah <laughs> And so how did you get into that then? 
How did you end, how did you um, end up being a, an interpreter, translator type person? Uh, I um, <laughs> to, uh, well, first, I don't know. I just always liked learning languages, and I uh, would um, people usually asked me to help them with languages. I don't know. <laughs> so uh, just at some point, I realized I wanted to do, to make it my profession professional activity so um, yeah I I just found a school uh, a master's program well first I've studied at the uh, like um, bachelor's program it's a kind of like a general um, it's called philology here it's uh, like linguistics and literature heard about Um, philology philology complicated stuff isn't it Uh, yeah I don't know (laughs) how would you define philology for people who don't know what it is um, it's a synonym to linguistics, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I, I found it's more typical for probably uh, Russia and Eastern European countries for, because I haven't heard this uh, term from uh, people from Europe. I don't know. It's uh, literature combined with cultural studies, with language, and just theoretical studies of the language, all mm. of its aspects, grammar, yeah. um vocabulary uh, phonetics and all the other stuff yeah sounds like everything you need in order to master a language right yeah probably not necessarily well because some people are very good at theoretical grammar but they're not necessarily fluent in speaking yeah yeah yeah. i met another listener to my podcast actually who told me that uh he was studying philology so this is obviously the 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 subject of choice for podcast listeners certainly mine anyway <laughs> yeah um, so you 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 were always interested in languages and then you decided to do a you did a bachelor's degree in uh, yeah. philology and then you found a master's program specifically for translating and interpreting yeah exactly yeah. it's not uh, there's a bit i mean here in russia when we have like a master's program we have to also write a thesis. Well, as everywhere, right? Mm. You have to write a master thesis. But uh, usually interpreting and translation is not... It's not a typical content, I would say, of a master's program. Uh, we have, like, separate schools where you can go, like, translation school or interpreting school um, that, you know, they give you particular skills, like practical skills. Uh, but I found this master program anyway uh, where they did both so we had a lot of training uh, just training translation and interpreting and also we did this academic part where we would write um, some theoretical things about translation as well okay and um, and then after that it was just sort of you found yourself yourself a job and uh, Bob's uh, your uncle (laughs) well uh, not exactly no (laughs) Is it is it like in in England where you do a degree and then you finish university and you don't know what to do with yourself and yeah, you, you spend exactly like spend a couple of years messing around <laughs> trying to work out where your life yeah. is going to go? <laughs> it's exactly like that. Yes. Really. Okay. So uh, when I was studying there, I uh, I used to think that now I'm sure what I want to do. Like I want to be a translator uh, or an interpreter. So done decided i don't need to have this doubts anymore Mm. but then um 
it's difficult to find a job if, if you're not like a top interpreter that works for um, UN, for example, or the Minister of Foreign Affairs, or you know, then uh, you might have to do other things. It's not just interpreting. Yeah. So, yeah. So, well, I started, I kind of tried to uh, start early because when I was studying, I also always, um, I was always trying to find like um, opportunities to practice. So I, I would um, volunteer for some festivals, Again, mm -hmm. just things that any international events where my help could be useful. So I worked as a little bit as a guide and some interpreting as well. Um, so that by the time I finished the studies, I had already you know something to show, right. <laughs> something on my CV. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And then I spent for about six or seven months just. Yeah, exactly. Trying to figure out what to do because I didn't want to work in an office. Um, but eventually in, I decided to work in an office because <laughs> I, had to, I mean, <laughs> I didn't find another way to earn money. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, no so, that's often the way it is. You're just sort of you're forced to, to, to kind of do the thing that you didn't really want to do. And you kind of think, yeah. oh, God, I've got to work in an office now. All right. Well, here goes. And then the next thing you know, you're working in an office. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if anyone really sets out like, right, I'm going to work in an office. That's what I'm going to do. They just end up in an office. Um, yeah. Okay. But I guess the, the the thing that some of my listeners might be thinking at this point is like, uh, uh, how come, you know, uh, well, let's, let's, let's talk about languages then. So how many different languages do you speak? Uh, I speak, uh, well, English, Russian. Uh, I speak German, uh, Norwegian, and I've recently started learning uh, Finnish. Oh, wow. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> Goodness me. Okay. So um, just to put, put things in context, where, where exactly are you from? I'm from the nor northern part of Russia, the um, Murmansk um, region. Uh -huh. So that's the Arctic, um, above the Arctic Circle. Above so the Arctic have... Circle. Exactly. Yes, Bloody we have. Hell. Uh, so, how yeah. cold is it up there? It's uh, not really cold. When I say above the Arctic Circle, yeah, people usually think it's uh, <laughs> um, unbearable and people can't leave there. But they can. It's it's fine. Yeah. And so it's it can be minus twenty five degrees, minus thirty. Oh, just minus thirty. Yeah. Oh, not too bad. <laughs> not, yeah, I mean you're joking, right? Of course, <laughs> it's bloody freezing. Yeah. You're going, yeah. yeah, it's not that bad. Yeah, it's just minus thirty. Well, I mean, in some regions, it's colder than that. Yeah, so it's not that bad. For, okay. I mean, in Siberia, it might be minus fifty sometimes. Oh and, right. Okay. So then it's dangerous to uh, go out. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. drive a car <laughs> yeah. Yes. even yeah but it's not mm, typically it would be like minus 15 so yeah okay fine yeah just normal yeah <laughs> to me that's to me that's extremely cold i mean i went to okay. i went to norway once this is the closest i've ever got to hmm. russia or uh, you know murmansk for example it's the closest i've ever got was oslo and it was about yeah. minus 16 and i turned up yeah. in my London winter clothing 
and yeah. I walked from the station to the hotel and by the time I got there, I felt like I was a block of ice, you know. I just felt like my whole system was shutting down, you know. And, and that, that I, I was approaching the hotel, I felt like, like my face had gone dead. Like a, I arrived in the hotel and I tried to speak to the girl behind the counter. And I was like, hello, I'd like to check into the hotel. I couldn't, couldn't even move my face because it was frozen solid. Uh, so, you know, that was a bit of a shock to me. But I guess minus 15 is sort of normal. For you then? Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, the climate is different as well. I don't know what it is like in Oslo, but the place where I've been uh, in Norway, because I've I've lived in Norway for one year. Yeah. Um, it's where it's when I studied Norwegian. Um, I was exchange student, so I went to school there. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was in the northern part of Norway, and there they have this uh, Gulf Stream. Is it? Uh, yeah which makes it quite mild so the climate is not too bad yeah they, they had minus 10 minus 15 but uh, it's not it's not like you're freezing all the time yeah. sometimes the like the cold temperatures are not too bad yeah okay yeah. kind of manageable all right so yeah. english russian obviously is a native language norwegian yeah. german and now finnish yeah. as well okay yeah um Gosh, lots of things to ask you about because this means you're a polyglot, so you're kind of special. Oh, that's such a big word. I've never. Well, I've I, never don't know. I don't know. I think you can call yourself a polyglot if you speak, you know, a few languages. Then that's it, right? I I don't know. I, I've heard it's. Um, should it be more than six languages, or maybe it's just more than two? I don't know. Some I've read somewhere that polyglots are people who speak more than six languages okay so six is the cutoff point maybe I think so. maybe maybe, maybe yeah I, ha- I to be honest i have <laughs> i have thought about that before and i always thought that polyglot was just a bit general and that i always imagined that if you spoke more than two that that counted yes. but uh i don't know maybe we need to sort of like find the polyglot society and and if there is one and see what they think but uh anyway um you've got a few so what about english then how, how did you manage to kind of get your English up to the level that it is now? The level at which you can do things like simultaneous interpreting and stuff? Yeah, um, I've, well, I've started early as well uh, when I was at school. Mm-hmm. But I think in, in this case, with the other languages, for example, time is not, it's not that important, really. Uh-huh. So with English, uh, it's typical that we have English at school and... Um, Typically, it's very traditional. Mm, so you have, I've started when I was 11 or 12 years old, I guess. Mm. And the way they teach English here is just, you know, typically we have plenty of grammar, grammar rules, doing grammar exercises, mm-hmm. present perfect continuous. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, drilling. Right. Yeah. And uh, very little listening and almost no speaking. Uh, so it's not very effective, but at the same time, um, what's typical for Russian students who graduate from, you know, just finished school, they can all write very well in English. So yeah. writing is good, but mm, communication is not. <laughs> so um, what I found when I went to Norway, so after I finished school, I 
kind of I took part in another competition actually, and yeah. I won that. Oh, really? oh, it's a habit then, is it? It's just a no. It's just the second time now. Actually, I think <laughs> I haven't won anything for for a long time. Oh well. So. Oh well, you've you've won this one though. So congratulations again. I just congratulated you again. <laughs> well, right. thank you again. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're it's welcome. Nice. You're very welcome. But so you entered another competition. Uh, this yeah. is the first one. And and what was it? Uh, it was an English language competition mm-hmm. as well. So we had to um, write some kind of a grammar test. But then the second round was uh, just a conversation. Uh, and we have had to explain what well, the prize was the year of studying in Norway, uh, living in a host family and being an exchange student. So basically what you had to explain in the second round was why you want to do that. So mm. I, and I didn't speak very well, but uh, somehow I managed to win. I don't know. <laughs> well, well, it was like I, I mean, a I, fluke or... Um... Like a, it was just like luck, or a, you must have been pretty good, I suppose. I mean, I, well, I could, I mean, I could say things. Yeah, <laughs> some that helps. Things, yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it does. Yeah. Well, I mean, I could express my ideas, but I wasn't very fluent. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, I mean, I mean, probably I was better than the others. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> I guess if you were. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, so then when I went to actually to Norway, and this was the first time I ever went abroad, I found that I can't speak at all. I mean, I can, but I'm afraid. And, mm. and there's a kind of a barrier uh, because I've never had, um, I've never spoken to anyone in English, actually, other than people who whose native language is Russian. Right. So back home yeah we would speak I mean we would have some practice but um, you, you're always sure that you know this person will understand me anyway mm. there's no need to I mean both being Russian maybe there's that sort of mental like you're on the same wavelength uh, do you, do you yeah. know what I mean that even though you're speaking English you still kind of understand what each other's saying because maybe you're thinking in a similar way and also because the even the version of English that you're using is kind of like Russian English yeah. right Exactly, yes. So we're using the same structures, mm-hmm. uh, basically, you know, yeah, using kind of like a calc from Russian. Mm. Uh, I mean, yeah, you use the same structures, you use the intonation, which is very familiar to another Russian <laughs> speaker. So yeah. it helps a little bit. But then, yeah, as I was saying, I went to a different country where people didn't speak my native uh, mother tongue. And, and then I had problems <laughs> so i um it was probably just psychological because uh, i've never done that before so i had i spent a couple of days just um, trying to figure out how to communicate but then then it went well so i kind of stepped over i don't know kind of yeah. overcome this yeah 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 so, and then then i realized that the language is actually for communication so yeah so what was it then how would you describe that block that you had then like Uh, because you just said you realized that language was for communication so how would you describe that sense that you had a block what was it can you remember Hmm, i guess it was it was some kind of fear that i would sound stupid or something maybe i was afraid i would not be understood Mm. and that my my english is bad because i have the strong russian accent and 
uh, just uh, just some kind of maybe it was even irrational because I knew that I actually could say things that I wanted to yeah so I could express myself but it, it's hard to explain no I know totally what you mean because you know I'm li- I live in France and so I try yeah. and speak French and uh, yeah sometimes I feel completely held back by uh, that feeling communicating effectively sometimes it's about just pushing through a barrier like when you're talking to people in your first language there's a barrier there anyway because you've got to kind of pluck up the courage to say the thing you've got to say even in my first language in English if I'm in a group I might feel uncomfortable but in the second language that barrier is even harder because you know just because of the the different language so you've just got to sort of push through it even more until you get to the point where you realize it doesn't really matter I suppose yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So there's, there's a point when you realize, oh, okay, these people can understand me and uh, we can actually talk and it's not dangerous. They're not going to <laughs> laugh at me. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to kind of uh, point and laugh or kick you yeah. out of town or something. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's good to remember that. Um, and so, what, so you learn English from Norwegians? <laughs> Weirdly, yes, <laughs> I think, because uh, not even from Norwegians, because we had uh, a number of exchange students. So there was a guy from Italy and a girl from China. And we were like a group of exchange students who would spend a lot of time together and we would speak English. Um, I learned what I learned is that uh, speaking is the key for me and uh, listening and speaking. So I'm surrounded by the language all the time. And um, it gets stuck in my head, head, and and then I use the things that I hear by repeating them. I just I kind of like build some kind of structures in my head, some typical structures, uh, which I can then use to express any ideas that I want. Um, so yes, this is this is just when I started really speaking English without uh, too much trouble. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, I had, I mean, I've studied it as well at the university, as I uh, explained. And then we, um, what I always try to do is listen to as much as as I can, because that's, that's just the thing I'm enjoying. Uh, I enjoy listening. Yeah. And it's fun. It's not even exercise for me. <laughs> I just um, right. listen. So I think you listen to my podcast, but do you, do you, do you listen do. to you do? <laughs> I'm curious to know how uh, listening resources like my podcast or, in fact, any others are part of your language learning or language maintenance, you know? Uh, Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, they are the major part of of my language maintenance, I think, especially with English, because when you're just starting uh, with the language, you're not necessarily... um, I mean, it might not be the best idea to just start listening uh, whether you you understand it or not but mm. although some people say that i mean you can listen to a language even without understanding and it you know it's passive learning uh, the more you listen the better it will be but that's the matter of time if you have little time like you have a couple of years to learn german for as as it was in my case mm-hmm. then i had to start with 
some traditional learning. I had to study grammar, vocabulary, and then uh, immersing myself into the language and just listening to that. Uh, but in case of English, yes, I, I listen to uh, Luke's English podcast. Um, and what I do, I just listen. Really, yeah. I, I'm, I'm lazy. <laughs> I don't. I know there are things um, like you can do the echo uh, re uh, repeat the yeah. things you're listening yeah. and this is uh, this is good for simultaneous training actually but then you don't you shouldn't stop just repeat mm. you shouldn't stop the recording yeah. but I don't do that I just uh, I have the like typical Saturday morning for me is I wake up and I, while I'm making myself some coffee and sandwich, <laughs> I would listen to the podcast. And uh, this is just kind of um, entertainment for me. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's like many different ways of doing it, you know. And I, I, to be honest, mm. I think the majority of people who listen to this podcast or in fact probably any learning English podcast do it just for the fun of listening to it and just the, they just enjoy it as part of a routine but there are other ways yes. of, of, of using it. And, you know, there's different different strokes for different folks kind of thing. Yeah, that's true. Because, I don't know, I think different people have different uh, ways of learning. And some people learn best when they read, for example. I don't know how that helps learning a language because it's, it's crucial to be able to understand and produce as well to speak. So for me, it's always been about listening. So overcoming some kind of intermediate level is um, the key is to just surround yourself by as much of the language as possible. And then the things you hear, uh, they get stuck somewhere in your <laughs> head, but then you have to consciously try and use them wherever you can. What I do, actually, I, I uh, don't just listen to the podcast um, I also sometimes, it's a bit weird, but I speak to myself mm -hmm. because <laughs> because uh, not always do I have people to speak English with. But um, yeah, if I, I mean, if I'm alone, <laughs> yeah. I might just, um, I hear a topic as, you know, if, if I hear something interesting, I might kind of react to that and express what I think and think about how I would answer to the questions yeah. that are discussed so you're actually sort of interacting with the thing you're listening to yeah so it's not really as passive as people think listening that there is actually something quite active mm. about it and if you're really engaged in what you're listening to then you feel either you're just sort of mentally responding with your thoughts or you can actually actively if you're in a safe kind of location if 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 it's not yeah. going to be strange to the people around you you can kind of comment and talk about things i think people talk to themselves quite a lot actually without <laughs> realizing it without even men uh, admitting it that when you're walking around your house doing the housework or whatever we do sort of uh, like the way you hum a song to yourself you, we do kind mm -hmm. of talk occasionally so that kind of creating that inner monologue in another language is important yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it's probably a good habit that, that people could think about. Yeah. It is, yeah. I, I might even, sometimes I find that I'm thinking about some routine things, like I have to go shopping, and I'm kind of saying things in English, like, mm. okay, I shouldn't forget to buy butter or something. Yeah. Uh, and it's, 
it's good. It, it's kind of like yeah. playing around, basically. It's it's yeah. it's an important part of it that that you kind of. Uh, playing with language in a non-judgmental sort of way, in an open, yeah. messing around kind of way, is helpful yeah, for creating and practising that creativity that we need to produce language quickly. Yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, that's what I was thinking about, right? It's uh, when no one is listening, you can explore the language and uh, you can make mistakes, but you actually you get to know... Uh, yourself even better and your own language skills and how you can use them when when you're not stressed and you you don't have to i don't know deliver a speech or something um so yeah it's good okay so (laughs) you you're not working as an interpreter these days are you uh no uh now i work um I have another language-related job, yeah. but it's not interpreting. So um, I work in a information technology. So what, uh, my position is called a technical writer. So what I do, I write uh, user manuals for um, the software that we develop. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> You're writing yeah. user manuals. In that no one reads. <laughs> <laughs> the, the manuals that we pull out of the box and throw away before exactly. we start using the technology. What kind of things do you write manuals for? For the software. So the, the company where I work, we produce software, mm-hmm. develop software for uh, clinical trials, actually. So it's for mm, yeah, doctors and companies, pharmaceutical companies that um, in research that you know are involved in research um, and what we do we create databases for them and all the different systems that they can use as online applications and I just tell them how to use it so uh, we do some video instructions as well and what I do now that's like kind of an additional thing I started to communicate with clients directly because we also want to know uh, what they want from the software and I'm kind of eliciting their requirements, (laughs) Mm. trying to find out what they need and how to improve the system. So, so yeah, they're using my English skills in all the ways possible for communication and and that's good. I like variety. Okay, yeah, yeah, sounds great. Well, really good to talk to you. (laughs) Yeah, you too. That, yeah, great. Um, Thank you for, for this uh, prize. This is good. It's <laughs> all right. Um, and yeah. it's just very interesting to kind of learn about uh, the way in which you've improved in your English and, and the, the way in which you learnt the language and uh, your habits and things like that. Um, I expect my listeners will have enjoyed sort of hearing it from someone else. So, I hope you know. so. <laughs> yeah, I hope it wasn't boring for, for no, the listeners. No, of course not. <laughs> It was nice to have you on the podcast. Yeah, it was nice uh, having this conversation. Thank you very much. It was really, really great. You're very welcome. So that was Christina from Russia. It was really nice to talk to her. And I think it just goes to show that um, good English skills can really help your career. That obviously companies are always on the lookout for people who speak good English because it helps them to do the things that they do. You don't need me to tell you that, do you? You already know that uh, English is important for your career. 
But it's worth bearing in mind also that uh, if your English is good enough, that you can even build your entire career around your English. A bit like the way uh, Christina's done that, but obviously speaking German and Norwegian, that also helps. All right. So, that's pretty much it for this episode. Except for one thing, just one more thing. I actually have an announcement to make. No, I'm not pregnant. It's not that. No, it's something else. So I've got an announcement here, which um, is for any of my podcast listeners who live in Moscow. All right. Any podcast listeners in Moscow, this one's for you. And this is a, uh, a message that I'm reading out on behalf of a Lepster called Dimitri. And so here is uh, Dimitri's message. And it goes like this. So uh, is there anybody here from Moscow? A friend of mine is organising the first meeting of the Moscow Lepsters Conversation Club, a club for uh, those who study English, like Luke's English podcast, and want to develop speaking skills as well. Everybody is welcome on Sunday, December the 11th at 4pm in the Wooden Door Anti-Cafe. We intend to discuss Luke's podcast, your favourite episodes, drink tea and coffee, eat cookies, speak and have fun, okay? The meeting itself is absolutely free, but the anti-cafe charges everybody two rubles per minute. And coffee and cookies are included in this standard price. Two rubles a minute. That's, as far as I can work out, that's about one, just over one and a half euros per hour for free cookies and coffee. That's not bad. That's amazing. Um, so about two rubles per minute and you get coffee and cookies included in the price. Um, and, um, if you're interested in registering for this, all you need to do is send your name and several words about you to an email address. And the email is, um, smart at mail.ru. That's S M A R T N B at mail.ru. So just send your name and a couple of words about you. I would suggest that in the subject of that email, you say, like, you know, LEP meeting. And then you just um, give your name and a couple of details about yourself. Or just simply say, I'm interested in attending the meeting. Um, let's not call it a meeting. Let's call it a get-together. Because a meeting sounds too formal. This isn't really a formal meeting. This is a get-together. That's where people kind of get together and socialise. Um, so either you send a mail to smartnb at mail.ru or you can just um, uh, visit the Facebook page for the event. And you'll find the link uh, on the page for this episode. Um, and Dimitri says, It will be great to share emotions and ideas. See you on Sunday at 4pm. Okay, did you get that, everyone? So that's just for the Lepsters in Moscow. Um uh, conversation Club, um, 11th of December. That's this coming Sunday. I'm recording this on Wednesday, the 7th of December. Uh, so Sunday, the December the 11th at 4pm at the Wooden Door Anti-Cafe. I'm not sure what an, what an anti-cafe is. How is that different from just a cafe? I don't know. I've never heard of an anti-cafe before. But anyway, uh, December the 11th, Sunday, 4pm, Wooden Door anti-cafe um, and that's where you'll find other lepsters getting together drinking coffee and tea and eating cookies and talking but 
you know, possibly talking with their mouths full, but that's all right. You know, it's uh, it's a it's a social informal social occasion. You know, no need to stand on uh, uh, social etiquette too too uh, too strictly. Um, now, uh, so that's that's for the Moscow lepsters. Now, obviously, I've got loads and loads and loads of lepsters in other parts of the world, and you're thinking, oh, I can't go to that because I'm not in Moscow. Well, you could even do it. You could do it yourself. You could plan a Luke's English podcast meeting in your area as well, because there's bound to be some people who listen to to this podcast uh, near you. Um, so why not organise a similar meeting in your area? And if you are planning a Luke's English podcast meeting or get together or whatever in your area, uh, then let me know, and I can then spread the word on the podcast um, so that you get more people involved. Um, because getting together with like-minded people and having some fun speaking English is a great idea. I think it can be a great way to practice speaking and you can make some friends as well. So if you're if you're interested in setting up a get together uh, and you know you've you've organized it and you just want some publicity for it to get some people involved, then let me know and I'll give it a brief mention on the podcast at some point. Okay then. All right. So you can find all the details of that Moscow meeting, uh, that Moscow get together even uh, on the page for this episode. Um, thank you very much for listening everyone. Um, Don't forget to join the mailing list, as I always say, because that's the uh, easiest way to get direct access to the page for the episode, where you'll find things like links and notes and bits of transcriptions and other stuff, and also the comments section. Thank you again to Christina for agreeing to be featured in this episode of the podcast. I think she had some really interesting things to say about the work of a translator um, and an interpreter. And uh, thank you to you as well for listening and for being generally a really nice person and a good thing in general. Well done. You're wonderful. Uh, That's the end of this episode. I'll speak to you again on the podcast soon. But for now, it's time to say goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. For listening to Luke's English podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, 
you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.